Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, um, we're uh, at the um, offices, the PW offices in New York City, and I'm with Peter Cooper. Uh, I'm going to just give a brief bio, and but believe me, <laughs> no bio can contain uh, the achievements of uh, my friend here. He, uh, his illustrations and comics have appeared in magazines around the world, including Mad, where he's illustrated Spy vs. Spy since 1997. We're going to talk more about that. The co-author, uh, excuse me, the co-founder of World War III Illustrated, um, the great political comics magazine. He's produced more than two dozen books. I'm sure that number is obsolete. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, some of his books include uh, The System, Diario de Oaxaca, which we'll also talk more about, Drawn to New York, adaptations of Frank Kafka's works, including The Metamorphosis. But we're also going to be here to talk about his most recent work, Ruins, which chronicles the migration of the monarch butterfly to Mexico, but also interwoven with a variety of other themes we'll talk about as well. Peter, thank you so much for being on More to Come. My pleasure. Um, look, I, I left out Professor at Harvard. Um, <laughs> I'm more than happy. To, do you want to fill in uh, your, your resume? Did I, did no, I leave out fine. some key elements? No, that's good. Uh, that's lifelong good. New Yorker, um, yep. uh, married to a ter- terrific woman. Uh, you have a daughter. Got a daughter. Um, um, at Bard College now. At Bard, oh, yeah. you know, I didn't realize yeah, that. she's already in university. Uh, I, you know, uh, well... That's I, the old bio. Well, I don't have any kids, so I can feel, if you don't mind, feel old along no. with you. Oh, no, it's, <laughs> it's remarkable. This, All right. All right. this is great. Well, I've known Peter for many years. I think this is the second time, actually, that you've been on More to Come. Uh, So, uh, I mean, one of the things we're here to talk about, but we'll talk about other things, too, is your new graphic novel uh, from Self-Made Hero, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Ruins. Uh, And uh, we'd love to get more of the background on this. Because it's it's related, of course, to Diario de, Oa- de Oaxaca. Excuse my that's all right lame Spanish pronunciation. <laughs> uh, and a gorgeous book that really documented the time that you spent in Mexico in Oaxaca, and the the kind of tragic political events that transpired while you were there. And you've turned that managed to turn that experience into two books. So why don't you give our listeners some background? First on ruins. I mean, well, give us the background on the trip because really it it gave birth to two really uh, extraordinary books. Right. Um, It's the result of living in uh, Oaxaca, Mexico, which is in the south of Mexico, uh, for two years from 2006 to 2008. And um, we went there originally primarily because we wanted our daughter to have a uh, second language and Spanish. Living in New York, Spanish is certainly a logical one to have. And when I was 10, my father had a sabbatical year, and we lived in Israel for a, mm-hmm. a year in 1969, mm-hmm. and that was a critical shift in my whole sense of the world mm-hmm. and you know our place in it, and just it was a huge connection and cultural shakeup, which was uh, you know I'm still sorting out aspects mm-hmm. of that. So uh, when we got down there, just preparing to go on a, for a sabbatical was a lot of work and we just didn't do our homework per se to say like so what's going on in Oaxaca as far as we knew it was a quiet sleepy little you know Mexican town music playing tortillas you just get the bags packed let's get down there we'll figure it out later but exactly and and we we arrived just after the national elections which uh, was apparently questionable with with Mm -hmm. Calderon becoming president 
and uh, it turned out that there was a teacher strike going on in, in Oaxaca. Now, this was a annual strike, and it was in its yes. 25th mm -hmm. year, so it wasn't a brand new amazing thing. The difference was that the new governor in Oaxaca, a guy named uh, Ulysses Ruiz Ortiz, um, also known by the acronym Euro, um, was um, had he he too had stolen the election. Apparently, hmm. he was fairly he was fairly things, clear apparently. about that fact <laughs> okay. and kind of not unhappy about it. Hmm. Even even the people that that had helped him were like, "Yeah, that's right, we got it." And um, <laughs> his response to the teacher strike for the first time in its twenty five year history was instead of giving them their meager pay raise, which usually you know the strike normally lasts hmm. two weeks. They get a little modest pay raise. They go home. This year, uh, the governor had the police force attack the strikers mm. um, in the middle of the night. And instead of leaving, they it not only codified their strike, but it brought other unions to it energized the strike. It energized to, the strike to a whole different level. Exactly. So it so it went from being what would have been a two week strike into being a seven month strike. Mm. And in the process process of that whole thing, uh, more and more people were coming. The the governor was sending undercover police to just basically shoot at there was not just one there was one main encampment in this in the town square mm -hmm. um but there were also encampments all around oaxaca and he would send guys by on motorcycles and they would basically randomly shoot at the barricades at night and uh up to i think about 20 23 people were were killed in this process but when one american journalist a guy named brad will was mm -hmm ran into the line of fire and actually filmed himself being shot, um, which is hideously on My on God, YouTube, yeah. of course. Um, and he, uh, when, when a North American died, then it became an international event. Hmm. And so we're down there for this. And I have to say, I think it was probably in our third month we decided to stay a second year. Even with all this going on, yeah. Oaxaca was just such a tremendous place. It's so culturally so interesting. Got a tremendous amount of art. The people are interesting. Was there, was there any, did you come to any understanding of why the governor decided to raise the level of conflict when the, the teachers were made pretty modest? Right. You know, um, demands. You know, I think it, I think it's just a matter of power. I yeah. think that this is something you run into all over the world. Is that yeah. people will, even if it's even against their better interests. I mean, it would have been much calmer for Oaxaca. It would have been certainly way better for the economy, probably his economy too, mm -hmm. had he um, simply done the most basic thing. But it's this: why? Am, mm -hmm. It's the attitude of you know, why should I listen to these poor, yeah. uh, powerless? Yeah people and so instead he just said i have the power i'll, I'll yeah. i can crush this and that'll be that and, and I'll, I'll send a message to whatever whatever yeah. teachers around you know the the mm -hmm. country uh and other unions around the country so um you know he was he was a pretty terrible yeah. figure there corrupt and, so somebody and ruthless somebody asked me recently you know was he kind of like the george bush you know, would you compare him to George Bush? And I said, no, I, th I think he was more comparable to, uh, comparable to uh, Dick Cheney. Yeah. Because he was more of the waterboarding type and the, uh, yeah. you know, the, the power and not, he wasn't the figurehead. Yeah. He was the, you know, he was, he was in action there. But so we were there and, and we were very close to many of these events. And I had this sort of brewing, you know, I had this experience and I, and I really wanted to, take all the information I had learned from our time in Mexico, which was very broad. I mean, mm -hmm. it included raising monarchs and going to yes. Mich the, the Michoacan, the, the state of Michoacan, where 
uh, millions and millions of monarchs mm -hmm. migrate every year. Because yeah. the butterfly is a key element. It's a, it's a, a big element. theme in this book, in, in, in the novel. Insects in general yes. are. Yes, yes. Um, so I took, I took all this information that I got from the two years, plus... I, you know, I, the kitchen sink. It was pretty much a Mexican <laughs> kitchen sink. Yes, as absolutely. A beautifully and embroidered and exactly, decorated kitchen you know, sink. There was yes. tiling. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Beautiful yes. colors. <laughs> and I just, I tried to weave it into one story. And so I made it fiction so that I could take all these elements and mm -hmm. I could say, well, I'm, I'm not going to just tell, a, you know, the nonfiction story of Brad Will. I'm going to take this photographer I met down there, plus Brad Will, who I didn't meet, although curiously, he had done work for World War III and, and oh, really? almost everyone I knew, yeah, he just worked on an issue I wasn't editing, huh. and so I hadn't noticed his name back when, when he had done a piece for us. Interesting. But everybody I knew in New York that, you know, from that, uh, the group of the Lower East mm -hmm. Side, uh, knew who he was, and when he was killed, I, you know, was get, getting messages from them. And wow. it was, it, you know, people were really, you know, I mean, I was upset too, but upset about somebody, one more person dying. Yeah, but you there didn't realize more, you actually had a exactly. connection. And, uh, the, and it would been, have been very easy. In fact, we probably literally crossed paths, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in the town square, in the Sokolo, no, as it's no called. Doubt. Yeah. Um, and we're, we were probably, you know, we could have been shoulder to shoulder and, and didn't. Well, so by doing a fictional count... I put a shoulder to shoulder. I took circumstances where, for example, the day the strike ended um, in, in November, uh, my wife Betty and I went down. We were we were having a date, and and I said, oh well, you know, there's this. I heard there's this going to be this march. Let's just drop downtown. Yeah. And I was standing in in, in amongst the. This seems a marchers scene from the book. If yes, I'm not it mistaken. does. Yeah. And I was and I was drawing uh, the the scene of of the crowd and. After a while, my wife noted, you know, how romantic it was to watch me draw one one more time. And could we please continue our date after about two hours of me watching the back of my head? And um, we left, and probably at the same time as we reached our car, within about ten minutes, it just happened that that was the day that the police attacked the strikers, yeah. and it was the end of the strike. And so we, probably, you know, by a hair we missed it. Well, in in my fictional account, mm -hmm. um, not to. You know, uh, ruin any stories. No spoilers, here. but no spoilers. But <laughs> but but um, it allowed me to basically put the characters that I created dead center in, in events, and then also weave them together with what was going mm -hmm. on with, say, the monarch butterfly or other sort of um, parallel aspects of history. And um, for example, one of the characters in the book, the white, it's a couple, not a couple with a kid. And uh, and they're younger than my wife and I were when we got down there. And um, um, they the wife is a writer, and she's mm -hmm. working on her novel, which weaves in the history of Mexico along with her, her personal her history, personal history, history exactly. And, and it yeah. gave me a chance to also mm -hmm. to like bring up all these things. And then other characters are talking about, say, Diego Rivera's history sure. or mm -hmm. Frida Kahlo's history, and all that was part of what I, what we were getting when we were down there. And uh, I, I think a lot of what the book is about is really the background, too. It's like mm. I put a lot of energy into just drawing these backgrounds and making and trying to make the experience for the reader be the same kind of colorful, interactive, uh, you know, butterfly flies by and it connects to something else. Um, well, it is that, that sense of, I mean, I know there's a the scientific theory of, you know, a butterfly makes something, you know, wings bad here and then you know, there's a, storm, a sandstorm, yeah. you know, in China. Right. But there is this sense, this butterfly, a kind of social justice initiator, 
that we see as he as he as, they, as he makes that journey to Mexico. She actually. She, excuse me. <laughs> she and my my it's sexist right. you know right. uh, mentality. We we see other acts of of social striving of social injustice that that sort of obviously weaves into the narrative that you're talking about in Oaxaca. Um, it was one of the ways that I could sustain working on this book for the uh, probably. I mean, ultimately, like most books, I thought about it for about eight, eight, eight years from beginning mm-hmm. to end. I spent three years on and off working on it. It tortured me for, sh- for sure for about five where, where I thought this book is just way too big to do. There's too many elements. I, I'm not sure I can pull it off. Well, is my drawing ability up to Is my storytelling ability up to it? Uh, I had there were the hazy areas of the book, like, for example, what her book, because it's a very mm-hmm. there's a meta factor of her yes. book within mm-hmm. the book. Um, I had different ideas for what that would be for endings, et cetera, mm. et cetera. And um, comics is just such an incredibly difficult art form. I found myself up against the wall of like I was talking about it, telling people about this book <laughs> I was going to be doing. And then I, much to my horror, was discovering like, wow, I'm going to I'm about to be one of those people that talks about a book that they never did. Like I, maybe I talked it out. I saw Robert Crumb give a talk at the uh, New York Public Library probably in my second year mm. of thinking and talking about this book. And he said, when asked about, it was Genesis that he was working on. He didn't want to talk about the book mm. at all. And, um, you know, traditionally he's there, mm. he's in the midst of this project. And when asked about the book he's working on, he says, I won't talk about it. So he said, well, I had a friend who talked about the great American novel he was going to write. And he talked and he talked and he talked <laughs> and he just talked it out and he never wrote it. And I went home thinking, Dude. Like, uh, <laughs> oh no. Perhaps you know, and it was almost like poison in the well. Like he just he just jinxed me. But uh I I hit a point probably it five like he years. hit you right between the eyes. Well, sorry, sorry. It, it was a thought well As you know crumb is wont to do. Di- you know, different different people have completely different approaches. Some people yeah. will not, you know, mention what they're doing. Uh that you know, the idea that you'd share the idea is like I'm gonna unravel mm-hmm. it or giving something away. I actually, my mode of behavior, maybe it's A-type personality, I don't know, whatever, whatever reasons, I find that I formulate my story by talking about it, by telling people. And so I might, in explaining it, if I, if I have holes in the story when I tell the story, it's like, it's like telling a good story, you know, yeah. over, over beers. The, the, the better you can tell it, the more interesting, you know, there's, and you hit those humorous points and it's like... I start to visualize it when I talk about it, so I find that very useful. I, you know, bore the pants off people with, "Hey, let me tell you about the," <laughs> and they start running detail, like, yeah. "Oh, here, stay from, stay away from that guy at the dip. He's going to tell you a story." So I mean, you know, I, and some people also this this you know, illuminating you know people about the, their work and projects sort of is a, a provocation for them to finish the work. It's almost as if they put their you know creative reputations on the line exactly, by speaking at it. That's, I talk, therefore I must do. That, that's, so, that's exactly where yeah. I'm, I'm at. But I, yeah. I know from you know having other creative friends and reading about other people that, that the, the approaches can be really, yeah, can be really huge spectrum. And you know, on the spectrum, I'm I'm one of the people who talks about their work before to, in order to uh, formulate it. Well, you may have talked about it a great deal, but there's certainly no shortage of actual labor that went into the book. The the drawings are really uh, incredible and detailed. Now, you did a book before this that was more combination sketchbook art book, though there it had sections Fair of narrative, but I think it was more um, that in some ways 
it certainly gives some insight into this book now because there's that same incredible detail, the same recreation of what you saw there right. in your own way. Um, how do the two books work about the graphic novel on the one hand and what was essentially a sort of memoir in drawing in well, your first book? Well, my, my first book, Diario de Oaxaca, was actually the work that I did during my time in Mexico uh -huh. and mm -hmm. right up to the, to the very end. And in fact, in the last six months, of drawing, I, I started seeing this formulating story. And oh. it was in maybe December that I, d I wrote down, of, of 2007, that I wrote down my first ideas for Ruins, which you know didn't mm. come out until 2015. <laughs> well, there you go. And, I have, and a time. lot of the notes that I, that uh -huh. I made, when I, when I looked at them, was, it, they include all some really, really key elements to what I was doing. At that time, it was gonna be mm. nonfiction. But um, my wife pointed out that I've done a sufficient amount of of autobiography and and it was getting a little boring or long in the tooth and that it would be really nice to change <laughs> Well you, you know, have change done a number of I, I have of, and she not would, boring I may add thank you. you know I'm not married yeah. to you so yeah it's not, well I, that's, I think she was just trying to I, I think she was just trying yeah, to yeah, nudge sure, me towards sure. towards like like try something different come on yeah. and um it was so while I was sketchbooking down in Mexico and mm -hmm. I was also I was writing essays that were appearing on a website um uh, called, called like uh, Dart. It was a mm -hmm. daily arts website for. It was an illustrator's website. And every three or four months, I would write a new essay about what was going on in in my experience in in Mexico and and have some sketchbook pages. And I, once I started thinking about this, the, the possibility of a graphic novel that would be rather than sketchbooks and you know sort of halfway between, then I started sketchbooking really like with an intent and I, I felt like I don't know exactly what this my book's going to be if I if I get to it but I know that the details are going to be really critical and that one of the things that happens when you when you sketch is you start you just notice things about a place and you mm. get a sense of things and the the sidewalks and the 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 plants and the insects and the smells kind of get in the art in a way that that I wanted to have in in my work later and I knew that I would want I would want to be um, drawing from at, so I would have this sort of direct experience and I had mm -hmm. Diario de Oaxaca open half the time when I was working I used it as, as yeah. reference it was like instead of having photos for reference mm -hmm. some of the time I had my, my sketches which was you know there were it was a great way to launch me because I had a bunch of ideas that were sort of half formed things then that I could then like throw that in and I'll put sure. that application and and um, so so it was really it also gave me a motivation in my sketching which was exciting because then I really I produced I don't know five sketchbooks in, in really the time cool. that I was there um, but I produced maybe one in the first year a two and then you know or one and a half in the first year and then in the second year I produced four okay. so I, I just it suddenly was like I, it ramped up and they were much more complete the the drawings and the pages were much more complete and became these sort of mosaics uh, that I realized when I looked at Diego Rivera's work it hadn't influenced me per se but what I think influenced him which is this sort of um, Mashup and um, uh, synchronicity of the very old in Mexico, where you know mm -hmm. you can walk by a, a ruins and then there's somebody on a cell phone, sure. and you mm -hmm. see this like simultaneity going mm -hmm. on there in a very big way. And it helped me as it has when I traveled in other places, and I've done a lot of traveling and sketching. Mm -hmm. um, that it helps me to see a place in a, in a, a sort of a new way, 
And in fact, when I got back to New York, Diario de, uh, well, it was, it was New York Diary, but it was called Diario de Nueva York in the Spanish oh, edition, yeah. um, um, was me trying to look at New York the way I looked at Mexico, like as a, tra- mm-hmm. kind of like as a traveler. And so I was drawing like. Was no, this drawn in New York? Drawn in New York. Drawn in New York. Yeah, I, okay. I forgot the title yes. of my own book. Okay, <laughs> because Perhaps of course I have done book, too many books. Well, no, because that certainly was a love letter in the same kind of way to your life here in New York. It, it, yeah. it was, and it, I mean, it, it included you know kind of cross section of work, but I did a lot of sketchbooking when I got back, mm. which was, I mean, Mexico really, in a certain way, artistically turned me on my ear, and I, I mean, I'm still recovering as it were from it because. When I went down there, I was doing stencils and spray paint illustrations, and I was doing lots and lots of work with, with, like that. And while I was down there, that seemed less and less appropriate. Number one, because it just wasn't it wasn't appropriately capturing the vibe of it, the way mm. watercolor, and maybe and the nuance, pen and ink, the, and, uh, and certain nuances. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was great for if I wanted to spray paint something on a wall, which there was there were a lot which, of cool stencils down that there. Was going on, yeah, <laughs> um, tremendous amount of graffiti yeah. that was yeah. remarkable down there. There's these artistic groups down in Mexico that were, mm-hmm. were producing just, you know, like high-level, amazing um, political statements in, in, in murals or in, in one-shot, um, uh, you know, stencils. But I found, like, my I was getting distance to stenciling, and then there was the simple fact that it's just really poisonous to use spray paint. And I never transitioned into an airbrush, so all the work I've you, you anybody's use, ever seen yeah. is all with it's with like a can the real of spray. deal, it's real deal, yeah. super toxic, it's like glory side yeah. technique. Right? And, <laughs> and the idea that I was doing like this images about how we really have to fight against climate change, and I'm going yes, yes, with highly toxic spray. That's you know, yes. I mean, at least it didn't have CFCs, but it was you know, yeah, yeah, still close. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to end up being one of these people with a, you know, heavy shake in their hand, and I'll be like, I don't remember who I am because of the technique I used, which was like, wow, but great style. It looks terrific. And, yeah, it really, it looks terrific. Yeah, and it's you've kind of made it a, a signature of your of your approach in it, some way. It's definitely been one, and I and so since I've been back from Mexico, I just slowly pulled away from that, and, yeah. and I virtually stopped. I mean, I've done a couple of pieces more recently. Well, I'm going to ask you about that with Spy versus Spy because certainly. Some of that technique you've continued had, to use, or have. I actually I I stopped. Interestingly, it was it was uh, uh, really good timing because the editors at Mad asked me if I wanted to change up the style. Right at the point when I was like, well, I guess I'm sort of oh, stuck with this style. Totally independent. I didn't push oh, yeah, them at well, all. Okay. And I was like, uh, well, as a matter of fact, yes, <laughs> yeah. I would love to. So for a while, I did, did Spy vs. Spy and Scratchboard. Uh-huh. And then I got to a point where they stopped making Scratchboard. Like, all the mm. forms that I'm used to using uh, were disappearing. And so now I've just moved <laughs> to pen and <laughs> What does that say? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You know, it's like... It, it's, it seems to have the same kind of quality that uh, every time I visit a country, it seems to have some major political strife right after I leave. You know, <laughs> okay, if, well, I, if I pick well, up an we'll art form, then they yeah. say, no more. Yeah. This form is no longer available. All right, but, well, let's jump back to Oaxaca. We yeah. are going to go. We're going to get to Spy vs. Spy. Uh, so, ruins, yes. Yes, yes. Excuse me. We're, we're going to get to Spy vs. Spy later, but we're back to ruins. Um, uh, so you, you wanted to do a novel just to do something different? Or did you feel a need to kind of wrestle with both kind of personal interaction, uh, you know, the, between the couple? I mean, it's a layered novel, as good novels very often are. Um, it really was, for me, like 
comics in general tend to be. I, I'm always like jumping from stone to stone and like, oh, I haven't tried this area. You know, I'll do an adaptation. Oh, this one has tons of words in it. Autobiography. I think I'll do a wordless one. Mm-hmm. It's something to do with boredom. It's something to do with <laughs> with my general interest in the form and how incredible it is as as a uh, essentially a, a form in its infancy that you can do new things with just you know turn the dial slightly um what i what i was exploring with ruins was the idea of since there's spanish and english throughout the book how can i demonstrate spanish for example and so i started i made the type when you when people speak spanish the the the, actually letters are green Mm -hmm. and the word balloons are different are different shapes and um that yeah, I, I was trying. I was aiming for subtle things like that. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, and yes, and you you manipulate the word balloons. The word balloons are each mm-hmm. each individual has their own word balloon shape mm-hmm. and color, the, as if it was a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. and it, you know some of these things are, are certainly not new to me. I, I've just I'm exploring things I've seen in some cases and then expanding upon them, and so. Mm-hmm. You know that this is uh, um, it, but it, it's something that I have pl- I played with before. I in, in Metamorphosis, I I had the word balloon and and type. Each individual had their own font, mm-hmm. um, and you know that you, I suppose that would go back to Pogo. It would go back to there's a lot of there's people who have played with that idea, mm-hmm. and it's just one more element in in the form. What I'm really hoping to do with this book is play with all these things and play with the, the page design and play with the way the storytelling but have it be at the same time be sublimated sufficiently so that the reader isn't going ooh look at his special effects mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like like if you watch a movie and it's handheld camera and you're just thinking like great the director is standing there with his camera shaking it around or the cinematographer is and it just gets to be like that overt sense of um, look at me and I really I wanted to to really Demonstrate what you could do with the form, but also have it happen in in a integrated way. So there's color changes throughout the book when when uh, the the female protagonist Samantha is writing her book. It goes into black and white. Mm-hmm. When there's history, at points it goes into history. It, it can maybe be a, a slightly different color yeah. there. Illness, uh, illness. Yes, <laughs> uh, illness is, is fairly green. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, well, it's very Spanish that Montezuma's yes, uh, revenge. Yes. Um, and that so and, and the sections every other chapter uh, that goes back I keep cutting back to the monarch mm-hmm. and it's, it's picking up the story of the monarch coming from Canada down yeah, to it becomes almost a motif in the narrative because you, we pick the monarch up at various points along well every journey. other every other chapter yeah. mm-hmm. and, and that's monochromatic I, and mm-hmm. although I, I knew that, that monarchs have full color vision I thought like it would be the quality of the vision of the butterfly that the world is being seen through a sort of a, a filter that, that's that's uh, not exactly the same so you really ha- the reader then would have a sense of that change and also those sections are all wordless mm. and I'm really a huge fan of silent comics as you know from, yes, you, yeah. from the system and, sure. and, and yes. Six and Stones yes. and, and Spy uh, of which Spy. there was a new edition out um, well, that system. was a year or two ago it first came out I yeah, think yeah, I and think that's from uh, PM Press. PM Press, yes, yeah, actually. Yep. And plug for myself, I have a short introduction to it. Um, which you wrote which back I, which, in 96. Yeah, and which we, I got that. You were gracious enough to ask me to update, so, uh, so go out and buy a copy of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, that was, really, that was particularly cool because your update also demonstrated from when you originally wrote that intro in 96 how far comics have come. 
Yeah. Like what shifts out? Because then you were like talking about that the, the forum is starting to grow and these things could happen, but then it's like, whoa. All of that really stuff is. has happened. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Which is it's a, which kind is, of a changed world. Yeah. It's, for it, comics. You know, it's extru- it's really exciting. I mean, my level of excitement working in comics, I feel, you know, I'm so nerdy about it or, or maybe nerdy is not the right word. I, I'm just, I'm so constantly excited about that. For example, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm teaching at Harvard. Yes. I'm in my third year teaching there over a span of time because it's, it, it's not like every, I'm teaching back-to-back years. Um, so it's already been about over five years. And the, uh, the, I, I am commuting from New York City and it's a five-hour commute each way. And I'm kind of giddy on, to go up there because the work that the students are doing is so out of this world. I just I love mm-hmm. what it's so interesting that every week is this. It's like uh, you know Christmas it's, yeah. uh, or Hanukkah in my case. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> and um, and that last week James Sturm um, mm-hmm. came down. Oh, the Center for Cartoon Studies. Center for yeah, Cartoon cartoonist Studies. himself and director and, and director of, uh, and one of my former students and one of your former students. Actually, yeah, I didn't back, realize that back in the nineties. Oh, okay. He was one of my students at School of Visual Arts. Oh, okay. And he was gracious enough to mention that in my class, which was like Ooh, <laughs> gold medal right. for me. There you and, go. Uh, right. um, and he was saying how. Floored he was by the work that that mm-hmm. he expected. Well, the, the, my students at Harvard come from a whole lot of disciplines. It's not just they're not just art art school students. Yeah, uh-huh. you get uh, um, computer science, economy, mm-hmm. English, and there's not a one there that's not doing some interesting work. Yeah. It's it's really like like and some of them are doing such a high level of professionalism. I'm, I'm like, you know, hey, hey, slow down. This is too good. <laughs> well, you know, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about that. I want to jump, because I want to talk a little bit about Spy versus Spy and some of the other newer things that you're doing. But, uh, you know, to me, you've always rep- represented like a pro's pro. Plus, you never, you, know, you but but you've never done like superhero comics. You, you, you Not entirely true. Not, you, I, oh, did no, I, I did a Captain oh, America. I did a two-page I'm, Captain America. Oh, well, then, that, then, then, I, then that makes That's you even the, more of a pro. Yeah, I mean, the long short of it though I think is a two page Captain okay, America well there you go well that's, that's not a bad place to begin and or in uh, you, you know a particular uh, phase in your career but I mean I grew up in you know the, a time where and if you wanted to be a cartoonist you were either going to be a superhero cartoonist maybe you could do gag panels and that was it and but there's a new world now for cartoonists certainly and which you have always been both Indie, I mean, you've been an independent cartoon. You've been published by big publishers, comics publishers. I mean, what I'd actually would love to hear maybe is to take uh, ruins from proposal to publication. What what, what happened? Uh, do you have an agent? Yeah. Okay. Did you? This is a pain. This is a painful story. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> As it happens, right. it's a good. Well, it's a good we question. can't make it too long, but no. we we've got about I'll, another twenty minutes. So, okay. but, but so, I'll, and I'll, I want to squeeze some talking I'll, about uh, yeah. some of the other things you're doing. Um, well, what happened was just to give our audience a yeah, sense yeah. of. What do you do as a cartoonist these days to make a living? Well, I started in 2008. I I mean, I I came back with the idea for this book. Mm, I wrote up a synopsis just in time for the crash. I sent it out to a a handful of places. I think I sent it it to Pantheon and to... uh, Mm Uh, I, anyway, I sent it around. Mm-hmm. Got zero. This is a handwritten. Proposal. Yeah, just a, it yeah. was a synopsis. It was I don't know. It was probably ten page yeah. synopsis mm-hmm. of the the story. How I would break it down. Mm-hmm. Then um, not, I got nothing from that. You know, it was like, well, they're going to want. You know, they want to see what it's going to look like. Okay, you know, do proposed pages, whatever. And that I found a bit daunting because it was such a huge thing. Yeah. And uh, so that helped put it off for a while. 
then it just kept pushing at the back of my brain mm -hmm. and I told the story one one more time and it was right. like I have to do this book yes. <laughs> so I cleared a space in about 2011 and I spent four months drawing it up in a well first thumbnailing it of mm -hmm. course but then drawing it up at these little it's the way I approached doing any book I mm -hmm. did this with the system and metamorphosis etc um, I do a, a I figure out what the size of the book is going to be, but then I do it at about quarter size, mm -hmm. and I I actually put together a little paper booklet that you could you could read through, mm -hmm. and um, is it lettered too or just, well it's yeah, yeah I mean I'm, yeah. I'm doing the lettering and everything yeah. at this micro size so yeah. it's it's about quarter size and I went through and I was able to pencil five pages a day for f over four months and I, I ended up you know roughly here give give or take and it ended up with. Um, uh, having the about 250 pages roughed out mm. I scanned that then I took the type which I had written out and I I put it in as a font so I could mm. edit it more and it would be extremely readable because yeah. my hand lettering left something to be desired and then um, I, I made a PDF of that and I sent it out to publishers and I sent it out to um, I think about 12 publishers and you know slowly but surely got nothing I got some People were asking me like, mm -hmm. "Well, you know, they want they wanted the elevator pitch of the book. I really didn't have that. I yeah, was yeah. like, well, it's really kind of complicated.' But and no, no agent here either. No agent. No agent. And, do you have uh, an agent? I don't. Oh, do you, you negotiate all your I do own deals? Uh -huh. Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, then, uh, although you know, giant props to uh, to Judy Hansen. Well, um, you wouldn't be the first uh, <laughs> because because she, so I went through. I sent it to Pantheon. I sent it. I, I went through everybody included. I sent it to Fantagraphics, Drawn mm -hmm. Quarterly. They said, "Oh, we discussed it," or you know, they'd come back. IDW said mm -hmm. they would pay me zero. I would be all back end, so I'd have to do the whole thing project really, for yeah. zero, and yeah. and which would be next to impossible with you know just living in yeah. New York and all. Um, and then um, uh, Dark Horse discussed it for about six months before they came back and offered me, I think, four thousand dollars. For a what well, at the time was a 250-page book, mm. and then um, uh, and that's as an advance, as an advance, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. And then um, Judy Hansen said, I, I, I just saw her at some party, and I I had sent her the book, just like, hey, I'm working on this, any any thoughts would be appreciated. And she said, oh, you know, self-made hero, mm -hmm. who I did not. Judy Hansen is a fabulous literary agent um, who specializes in comics artists. For those who may not know, and um, and. Uh, so, Abrams is the sister company to, yes, to they, itself. They handled Zero. the distribution. The distribution. Like, oh, there was talk at one point that they were going to acquire them, but it didn't really. I didn't. I don't think it, it happened. It, it, it hasn't happened, I guess. But mm. but it feels like it's happened. Yes, because <laughs> they're really they're they're yes, they're, they're very they work very close together. I deal yeah. with their their publicity person, and they're they're mm. they've been really great. Yeah. and it's it's so helpful to not have it be yeah. essentially a foreign publisher. Otherwise, yeah. so so you sent it to them and self made hero, and they. Th thought they about it for mm -hmm. I don't maybe five months. I mean, it was oh, yeah. I didn't get I didn't get a yes on the book until I, I sent it out in September. I didn't get a yes on the book until mm -hmm. May. Um, in late April, I started penciling the book, I and mean, I was just said I, I was like, "The hell with this! I am do doing it. this book." <laughs> I thought I'd do a Kickstarter, and I, you know, it's the whole thing. You know, one of the things about being in comics for a long time is seeing you know career shift careening mm -hmm. and going from 
things being absolutely incredible and having tremendous offers and all sorts of possibilities to have being a situation where when I, w I was asked by by one publisher, so what other books is this like? And I was like, well, it's very much like other books that are not like other books. I don't know just what to like, tell you. I just mean, what, what the publisher wanted. Yeah, to hear. it was <laughs> like it was like I don't know what what's what's Asterios Polyp like. What's good uh, question? You know, yeah. what, what there's you well, know you what, could make the point that a really good book isn't like any other book. Oh, I, ideally, it's it, yeah. that, that seemed to me in the plus category. Yeah, and well, it well, was yeah. clearly a negative to a publisher's marketer. It may not sound that way, but, it, absolutely, but of course, not. to a reader, and, I think it's a little different. And and you know what, I I didn't you know I, I didn't pick the book. It it kind of picked yeah. me, <laughs> and that. Uh, but it, it feels like it was a miracle to get it done because it was. I so I started in on it, and it took me a full year to pencil it. And in the process of penciling it, it went from being a, uh, um, a 250-page book, according to my contract, this is what I was, would deliver, to a 328-page book. Wow. So, and, I, and had I had another year to work on it, I would have, and it would have been a 400-page book. Now, um, you don't have to say me the amount, but did you get an advance? I did. It yeah. was, it was um, not, uh, you know, not enough to live on, really. Yeah, okay. And, <laughs> okay. and that, that it, it, re it required me scrambling. Mm -hmm. The reason in part why the book took me three years to do is because I had to be juggling all sorts of other work. And I, I mean, I choose to do that to some extent anyway. Mm. I mean, it's not like I, but in a perfect world, I would go to Yado or, or one of these places that, you know, like yeah, they just bring you the retreat, food, yeah, the retreat leave a, and leave a little basket yeah, at your doorway just, every night. I'm just, you know, like I, <laughs> just I don't away. see anybody. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the classic ivory tower. Yeah. Uh, it would, it, that would have been a, a joyful, I made that happen in the final six months of the book. Mm. I also, during the time that I was working on this book, I also worked on putting together the, the new system edition and uh, the World War Three anthology. Which, and another I, amazing book, yeah. And I edited an issue of World War Three, and both the anthology and the issue of World War Three. those are, you know, no paying gigs. I just, you know, I'm insane. It's like the, only, <laughs> the only thing I get ahead, um, my wife has other terms for this but uh, <laughs> well, uh basically i depend on pixie dust to uh to survive and, and when you and, and you use your pixie dust well well I, <laughs> I, you know it's like this sort of crazy good fortune it's like some something seems to come out of the woodwork yeah. when i need it to some royalty from something metamorphosis yeah. or spy versus spy or something like that has you know kind of like floated me when i'm in, been in situations where i'm like well i'm just running on this and it it fits with my sort of theory like you're supposed to do as best you can do the work that you love and your finances will if Stuff they don't will, take yeah. care of themselves then at least you'll be deeply happy during that time period i think that's <laughs> like a, you're scrambling a better, to pay the bills well, yes. yeah <laughs> it's just a better no, it, it's, it's a better place to be yeah. and and that you know i'm always you know, as a as a teacher, I'm always mm -hmm. talking about these things, and I don't feel like a, it's totally pie in the sky because I really think that people respond to work that represents people's you know heart mm -hmm. and soul, and that like that people will be drawn to it on some level. I mean, not everything, of course. It's not. It doesn't always work. Yeah. Sometimes you have to have your day job or whatever to make that happen, and that. But but it's you know managing to keep a concentration on it and what i did at the the last 6 months of the book i realized in the calculation that in order to get the book done i had to produce having penciled it i had to ink and color two pages a day every day for about 6 months and that required me you know i was working from 9:30 in the morning until 1 at night roughly and i came home for dinner and my daughter was rolling up to college so that every time we went on a college visit and 
all these things, uh, I would have to bring work with me and or get four pages done the day that I missed. <laughs> and it was kind of insane. But but the plus to something like that is I was so deeply immersed in the story that I was really living, eating mm-hmm. and breathing the characters. So it was a manner of speaking. It was kind of like being at a retreat. You can't. You certainly can't tell from the book that there was any letdown at any time. I mean, every page is... Clearly, a labor of love and just beautiful draftsmanship. Thank you. So, uh, how you do it? Uh, I don't know, but I've heard similar stories from other cartoonists who say, "Well, you know, I've got to do four pages a day for the next five months," or and that's that's yeah. that's it. That's yeah, what's got to be done. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and they you know, when do it by when God. <laughs> well, you know, when you're into it, then then it's it's like the time evaporates in a certain way and mm. I definitely found myself working on details and it's like I'm, I'm really going to do every leaf on this tree well the, right yeah. here it, it's called for there I, you know, I, I don't think I shortchanged mm. anything on the book you know there, there might have been something I missed because I was looking at 12 different things at the same time there was you know the juggle of it but at the very end of the book I went back to the beginning and I added several pages and it was really like, oh, this is just the worst idea. Like, I'm, I'm actually adding to the, the project <laughs> well, when I, I should be subtracting. Through every butterfly in the yeah. monarch butterfly growth. Well, there was that, you know. That, <laughs> That's a gatefold, yeah, if I'm that, not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that part, you know, that took me three days, which then added on to the other part that wasn't like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know I was, I was great fun at Passover where I sat at a cart table at my sister's the entire time and people moved around me while I worked. But ah. It's like performance art, yes. uh, so to speak. Well, look, uh, um, I mean, well, you heard it direct from, a, you know, a professional cartoonist, um, a, an amazing uh, labor of, of love and intellect. But let's, uh, let's segue just a little bit. I mean, you've, you've, once again, you've done so many things. One of the things you've done that's sort of connected, I mean, in some ways it connects with the great cartooning mind of the world, Mad Magazine, and Spy vs. Spy, the great comic book conflict uh, above um, Antonio Prohias. Yep. Um, talk, tell us about that. You've been doing it for years. Um, he's a great cartoonist. Um, yeah. uh, there's a new book out now. Um, I forget who the publisher is. Actually. No, it's Mad, it's like Mad Books. I uh, you you know what? Well, it's Liberty. I think it's Time Warner Books. Yeah, Time Warner. A, you know, in any event, it's a terrific book. We actually did a more to come interview with John Fakara, uh, the editor. Uh-huh. Heidi did a did a great interview. Oh, with excellent! Him. Yeah. So, but tell us more about your involvement in Spy versus Spy. Well, and maybe um, a little history. Uh, of, yeah, of, a, a uh, quick history is. Yeah. Uh, I had worked on the system. Um, Although, you know, for years I thought, oh, well, it was because of the system and Eye of the Beholder was another wordless strip I did, which was part of when they were looking around for somebody to replace Prohias because he had he was retiring. Uh-huh. And they had different people kind of sub in there doing the style of Prohias, mm-hmm. you know, trying to mimic his yeah. style. And they were looking for a big shift. And I apparently was standing at the door and didn't realize it. And they saw... A number of things. Oddly enough, uh, John Ficara, the editor, mentioned that he'd seen comic trips, which is my travel yeah. sketchbook. Yeah, Why it's is a that? great book. Yeah. I don't know, but well, it's a terrific book. I, as I reviewed it back in the day when it first was published, way, that was like yeah. my, I think that may have been this my was first. This in the '80s, wasn't it, or 89, early '90s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it, no, NBM no. published it, I think. Uh, f- Am it I was wrong? first. It was first Tundra, and then oh, NBM took it over. Picked it up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, uh, they asked me if I wanted to try out for Spy vs. Spy, and my reaction almost immediately was no. 
Be- oh, interesting. Because I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and they recognized the stupidity in me and they thought you'd be perfect for this because, you know, usual gang of idiots. Here's an obvious well, moron. <laughs> We're rolling out go. the carpet and you're saying no. I just was, you know, I, I had, I was feeling my oats from having done the system and doing mm-hmm. my own work and political work and the idea of, of doing somebody else's cartoon that was clearly for a younger audience, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. seemed like, well, well, why would I want to roll back like that? But okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll do the. I'll, I'll just do a, a sample. Yeah. So I did this sample, and I, and I it was a, a you know a bell rang, and I was like, I loved Spy vs. Spy. It's one of the reasons yeah. I do wordless comics. It, I I scout you know would always yeah. scout it out. I loved Sergio Argonis's work. Mm-hmm. You know the the Shadow Nose and all these paperbacks mm-hmm. that they did. I'd stand in the corner of a drugstore and like flip through them. And of course, being the the cheat like so many people with <laughs> wordless books, I then you don't have to buy it. So yes, exactly. read the whole thing. You can read them really fast. So <laughs> so I had that I had that experience with it, and I thought, oh okay, you know what, this is that was pretty fun. But I'm I definitely was pushing it in the direction of okay I'm going to do my own thing and we'll just wrap this up quickly they'll say no and I'll, I'll go go my merry way but I, I did have fun doing one mm-hmm. and uh, they it turned out doing it in stencils and spray paint which is how I started mm-hmm. doing it was exactly the crazy direction that they couldn't have known expected but that like well the characters are so iconic it was really yeah. easy to maintain their personalities and I certainly am I, I can do apocalyptic and war and mm-hmm. etc and so they they jumped at that, and I thought, well, I'll do it for a year or maybe two. And um, I'm in, I'm coming into my nineteenth year. Wow! Um, you know, I'm in, I'm, yeah, like in in uh, my first my first tryout was in '96. So I, I actually, yeah, in in 2016, it will be 20 years of since I. There's first. a generation that have known no other spy versus spy yeah, artist very, but Peter Cooper. It's very strange. <laughs> um, and what's also interesting, I just was in Mexico and I have um, I have an exhibition in Mexico City at the uh, Museo de la Caricatura, the caricature museum mm-hmm. there. And um, there was a mad uh, a, a Mexican edition of Mad, and they're super spy fans down there. And oh, so, that's funny. Um, and so, just at the same time, just randomly, I was I was invited to a book festival, but I got contacted by Televisa, which is a huge publisher in Mexico, and they said, "Hey, we're doing an edi- a, a new edition of a, a collection of your Spy versus Spy." And I actually jumped in and I, I got them a new cover. Oh, great! And uh-huh. um, and they did a new design that has an interview with me in it, and you know, all in Spanish. And they changed just little tiny bits in Spanish, but it came out just in time for for my exhibition. And there's a little bit of spy in in the show, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of uh, ruins. But there's also my political caricatures. It's, it's a it's mm-hmm. a complete show. But it was really exciting to connect with with Mexico. And in fact, part of having lived there for two years and learn, having learned enough Spanish where I can actually give presentations in Spanish uh-huh. now. Um, I mean, it's halting in certain ways, but they're very forgiving, of course. Wow. And, but uh, to, it's, it's like one more way. I feel like I'm, I'm like getting into the fabric of, of Mexico. Like I'm, I can be part of their, their scene. And it, it's really exciting to me. And, um, you know, I get, I go down there and I immediately say, you know, sorry about Trump. <laughs> First of all, let me just start by saying he's put us you know, all they, on they were like apologetic thing. They, no, they, said, they said, you know, like you know, they asked me in Spanish, like, you know, so what do you think about Trump? And I, was, you know, the comic and I said, I said, payaso peligroso, which means uh, dangerous clown. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and um, so, 
it, you know, it's it's really cool that Spy vs. Spy is sort of like one more piece of things, like a Spanish edition of, of Ruins, Ruinas, just came out. Yeah. So yeah. I was down there, that was part of it, but I also went to an English language bookstore and was doing a talk for Ruins. Um, so it was the, yeah. it's like the whole... The whole mashup there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here a section because we're running out of time. But I I want to mention the book Spy vs. Spy, uh, an explosive celebration forward by Lewis Black. Um, um, right, really, it's a history. It's like 150 classic strips, uh, ending um, of the the great Spy vs. Spy. But before we run out of time, I, I, you're working on a couple of things right now. Uh, something coming up from Vertigo. Maybe you can mention those really quick before um, yeah, we wrap I think, up. I think just coming out now is a. Uh, Vertigo Quarterly's uh, FX, and it's called Crack. And basically all they said was, you just have to use the, the, the word crack, K-R-A-K, in okay. your story. And I'm at a point now where I pretty much want everything to be about climate change, because I think that's like the it's most not primary. a bad issue to latch on Yeah, which yeah. is also the next issue of World War III that I'm working oh, on with with a, a group of When editors. is that? Like, um, that'll see probably that? be more like July. I mean, we're, uh-huh. it'll okay, take great. a while for that to come awesome. out. But climate change is, is the main... So actually, uh, climate change and Black Lives Matter, we're doing kind of a double issue. And um, I would expect nothing less from World War Three. Yeah, you know, we're, so we're, we're like, okay, what, what's, what, what it matters right now? Yeah. And, we, yeah. we, you know, we... Uh, but I'm, I'm feeling like... And one of the things that was great in uh, in ruins to have the whole section with the monarch butterflies is it's referencing environmental yeah, impact absolutely. Mm-hmm. and i realized as you know working on a longer project I, it's to, to have sustain i have certain things i have to be talking about or i feel like oh okay then i'm trying to get that done so that i can get on to talking about these mm-hmm. other things i i since i'd thrown so many different stories into ruins it included enough about Mm-hmm. My, con- you know, environmental concerns that I felt like I'm talking about that too, even if I'm also talking about Mexican history and I'm talking about, sure. you know, twelve other things. That can still be a primary aspect of it. Um, another thing that I did, well, one of the joys of teaching at Harvard is connecting with other Harvard professors. And my first, even before I started teaching there, I got contact by, by a, a documentarian named Rob Moss, and he was working with a, a guy named Peter Gallison. And they're doing a documentary called uh, uh, Containment, which is about the containment of nuclear waste. Mm-hmm. An- another light, upbeat topic, yes, right up yeah. my alley. Yeah. And what they asked me to do was animation for the sections of the documentary that are... Um, the, the U.S. government had uh, scientists, futurists, come up with ideas about what will the world be like in 100 years, 1,000 years, and 10,000 years, which is hmm. not even as long as nuclear waste will be yeah, radioactive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I got the really super fun job of animating scenes with robots and rocket ships and future, a feminist yeah. future and a, uh, uh, a religious zealot future and all these different crazy scenarios. When, when, and, and how and can movie, we see it? Well, the movie, <laughs> I, I believe you can, you can already find it. It, it will be on Netflix pretty soon, but it's oh, called, okay. it's called containment. It's doing the festival circuit now and they're, they're going out and around. And Is it a screen in New York? Uh, it was screened in New York, unfortunately, when I was in Mexico okay. at, at the uh, the New York um, Museum of Natural History, ah, which okay. is su- super cool, of course. Yeah, I would say so. And um, the I don't know, you know who William Kittredge is? Of course, yes. Um, so yes, the Peter, great South African artist exactly. and, 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 an, animator. and animator. I right. mean, but his animation is of 
Well, so you so can't really. It's you know. You can't even explain it. You it's can't so explain it. It's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So so Peter Gallison and and William Kittredge are work together intimately, yeah. and he's and, and his drawings and are amazing the, as he's well. He's the director yeah. of uh, uh, Peter Gallison is the director of, of Containment, oh. and they've worked together intimately on other projects. Well, like, that to me is a blockbuster project. Obviously, with your yeah. contribution as well, this is really it's, amazing. It, it's it's really exciting, and it just it's you know sort of one more aspect of. Mm. Um, connecting with these things and the, another thing that happened through ruins um and you tell me when we're out of time yeah well, well this will be part of the uh, um the process of, of um promoting the book i got invited to give a talk at the department of the interior in washington dc mm-hmm. at something called the pollinator project that had people from the obama administration and mm-hmm. the sort of super top level of entomologists and you know uh, people involved with bees mm. and monarchs and all that and it's one of the ways that I sort of see the future of the way arts and comics and people being in, in different art forms can make these things work which is a synthesis between different things and I, mm-hmm. I so my interest in insects I'm a closet entomologist which also comes across in ruins as you'll heavily. see when you've gotten by yeah, well, one of, the, of the characters <laughs> is an entomologist <laughs> yes. actually so it allowed me to be that person uh-huh. briefly um, that I, I actually had something to say to a group of like rocket yeah. scientists on the subject because I am visualizing things they're talking about and that it's a re, it's a way to connect with yet another world and I found that entomologists are kind of like nerdy comic book people they're just really interested in you know how many flaps per second yeah, yeah. you know you have <laughs> you know like there's a uh, dragonfly's wing or whatever but it's not too far from the kind of minutia and these interests <laughs> that that we have as comic book people well uh, actually once again Peter I mean all of the things you work on are fabulous your work is you know, is kind of defines comics in this new age. So, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to wind up now. But um, thank you so much for being on More to Come. My pleasure once again. 